Welcome to The Offering, a bi-monthly conversation between four friends who share their experiences from an intersectional lens. My name is Christy. I'm Girabina. I'm Josie. And I'm Paola. Welcome to The Offering. Today we're talking about parents, intergenerational trauma, and survivor's guilt. But before we go into all of that, you already know the drill. We're going to cancel some shit. <laughs> and today what we cancel is, I'm going to tell you a story. Tell you story. Okay. <laughs> Do you ever remember, have you ever walked into your kitchen? Hungry. Mm. Hungry. You're hungry. like starving. You're like, yo, man, hungry. You open the fridge. Open the fridge. And you see a tub of ice cream. Mm. And you're like, yo, I'm about to eat this ice cream. I'm about to eat this ice cream. And you open the ice cream and you see some rice and beans. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, wow, this is not even ice cream. Okay? Because your mom... She just saves all this Tupperware. She repurposes And she repurposes everything. it. And it's like, this is not, oh, you open the butter and it's not even butter. It's like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> or like the Chinese food plastic container. She's like, oh, you need food to take home? Here. Here's a Chinese Tupperware. Or them cookies. You know them sugar cookies? Oh, my And God. they be having their sewing stuff inside of it. Wait, what sugar? You know the metal... Um, the ones that were made with Christmas. Oh, the yeah. Those oh, yes. I used to say, hey, I used to be like, yes, my mom saved me these cookies. And I would open it up. It would be like all her sewing stuff. Needles. Yes. And thread. <laughs> be you like, eat some needles. You know what's worse? When you see it the first time, and then a month later, you're like, oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> yes. You get tricked again. <laughs> again. You're like, damn, how did this happen? <laughs> you know, on the opposite side, though, like, talk about oh being environmental environmentally friendly and mm-hmm. not wasting plastic like mm-hmm. talk about pioneering a movement mm-hmm. a movement that's annoying but it's still very good for the yes. environment because you're not out here wasting plastic and another tip before you preheat the oven check if there's any pans with mm-hmm. oil before you preheat the oven or like yep. you know in the oven like how you know you could have cabinets in the kitchen but no <laughs> the the pans they go in the oven <laughs> you know they don't go in the cabinets no 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 in the oven. <laughs> I do this too. I'm a mom's daughter. I still put them in the oven. I don't know why. But it's just like a waste of space. And you got to utilize it. Word. That's cancel number one. Canceling number two is something that maybe I've experienced a lot. Maybe some of y'all have experienced this a lot. But comparing children or comparing siblings, right? Mm-hmm. I used to always hate that. My mom comparing me to somebody else's daughter. I don't know her. I don't know what she go through. And she not being raised by you. So how you comparing us? How? How? And also, like, that shit don't make me, like, feel good or want to do better. Like, I can't. I don't know what's going on. Stop comparing us. Right. Or when they're like, why aren't you like your brother? I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't have a penis. <laughs> <laughs> not a man. Can't be like him. <laughs> Um, yeah, in comparison, like, overall, like, I feel like it's a very dangerous thing. I think maybe yeah. we should have a podcast about it, because especially with, I feel like, Instagram is the mm. epitome of, like, toxic comparison. Mm. Comparison kills. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that we should pin that for a different front of the podcast, yeah. talking yes. about, like, the toxicity in yes. comparison, and how that has been exacerbated with, like, social media. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree. Alright. Um moving on to our topic of the day. So the first question is what is transgenerational or intergenerational trauma? That is a great question. Transgenerational trauma is trauma that is transferred from the first generation of trauma survivors to the second and further generations of offsprings via complex post-traumatic stress disorder mechanism. Yeah, because trauma that is not transformed is transmitted. transmitted. Blue, so blue. you gotta heal, otherwise you're gonna keep contaminating your children. Can you say that again? And husband, or wife, or partner. <laughs> but can you say it again? Trans- tra- trauma, trauma that is not transformed is transmitted. So don't be out here contaminating folks. Go to therapy. Yes, therapy. Especially now that we have that privilege for those of us who have it. Yeah. For those people who don't, who didn't in the past, and that's why some of us are where we are. But now that we do, we gotta, we know better, do Do better. better. Mm -hmm. Yo, we are cliches today. (laughs) (laughs) We on that cliche level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Josie and I started talking about this topic before we started. And we wish we had recorded it because it was a very good conversation. I don't remember what the question was. It was around, you were saying that you don't feel survivor's guilt. Right. And I was like, the reason why I don't feel survivor's guilt is because I feel like I am, all the stuff that I've accomplished, all the degrees I've received, I've done it for me and um, my mom. So I've done it for the both of us. And that's sort of the context. Yeah. So, um... We should probably define what survivor's guilt is. True. <laughs> right, so we don't get all, all jargony and whatnot. For survivor's guilt is, is a mental condition that occurs when a person believes they have done something wrong by surviving a traumatic event when others did not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this could lead to something like, you know, uh, re- refugees surviving mm-hmm. or something as simple as I made it out of the hood. Yeah. I made it out of my house. Right, right. While my family's still struggling and suffering. Mm-hmm. And like just kind of like sometimes neglecting yourself or guilting yourself like, oh, I'm going on this trip while my, my mom is working 10 hours a day. And, and just like not even allowing yourself to enjoy the things that you have earned because like it's like, I, what did I do to deserve to be here that they didn't do? Or, or what were the opportunities that were afforded to me through their sacrifice? Like, it's right. a very complex situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was, I was challenging G to um, think through, um, you know, why is it that there's, like, this understanding that, like, well, you know, what I do is for my mom because my mom... Um, you know, she did all these sacrifices for me to be here. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when, I mean, I, I don't know that it's a condition or maybe it is. I don't know. But depending on the, yeah, depends. Um, you know, depending on the circumstance, um, I think that a lot of folks um, of color that, you know, have gone to school or, um, you know, have made it out the hood or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I do think, in my opinion, that we do kind of, inherently suffer from some form of survivor's guilt because you know we do see that there are people around us that either we know or we don't know that didn't make it out and so it's just like fuck like that just sucks that mm-hmm. I did and somebody else didn't mm-hmm. you know um and so we were talking about how you know why is it that 
why is it that there's kind of this like unsaid rule that if you know you're the 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 child of an immigrant or you know your parents like did all of these sacrifices for you and for you to you know be a professional etc why is it this this unsaid rule that then like you have to go ahead and like provide all of these things for them yeah right um and I was just sharing that you know I, I think that's the right thing to do is just definitely to like pay it forward and is there also a space for me to be able to decide how I give back mm-hmm. because I have found myself um in conversations or in situations where it's an automatic like given that like I have to provide money or provide a certain level of support for my family where I'm just like so when did I agree to this mm-hmm. and why because I'm educated because I have a job like can, can we talk about this can we at least just talk about this mm-hmm. because um you know I can't be responsible for something that I don't know um yeah and I, I think I've yeah. just like found myself in, in those situations where I'm just like mega confused yeah and also it really makes you question your own accomplishments right because mm-hmm. it's like raise your hand if you felt the crushing weight of being the first one to graduate college the first one and then what comes with that the idea that like you have to be rich to then make the rest of your family rich yeah. so that then you all can make it out. And that is... An, it's dangerous. It, it, it is like a wild amount of responsibility to put on a single person to yeah. the point where like you're like, oh my God, I got this job and I'm getting paid X amount of money, but that's not enough. That's not enough for you and your family. That's not enough no, to make through um, intergenerational poverty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and maybe I don't see these things yet because I haven't yet had like a real full-time job <laughs> where I'm getting, where I'm getting, you know, um, my paycheck is hitting my account every week and I'm hearing the ding every <laughs> week or bi-weekly. I'll take that too. But to me, you know, I just felt like my mom left the country and she came here. You know, she's in, she she went to school up to eighth grade and then didn't have no one to fund her to go to school. She loved school and wished she had the opportunity to go to school. So it's always been, you know, she's always like, you know, I'm so proud you get, you know, you're going to school, you're doing all the things that, you know, I didn't do when I was your age. Like, this is beautiful. And to me, when I graduated high school and college, I told her, like, I did this for the both of us because I just feel like she's invested so much in me and I am honoring her and wish she also had this opportunity but she didn't so you know maybe when I do have a full-time job you know have to learn how to set those boundaries but I just feel automatically obligated to take care of her because she's been my ride or die chick since I can't remember and she's invested so much in me that I that's the least I could do for her. How mm-hmm. that looks like, I don't know, because I don't got paychecks here in my account yet. You got that income mm-hmm. yet. Full nah. time income. And I think that's... Well, I think it's also, like, it's hard when you are, like, really close to your parents mm-hmm. or your family and you still see them struggling. Yeah. You know, like, my dad's, like... He's close to retirement age, but he's like, no, I'm going to keep working until you until you have a job. Like, you have a full, like you, you're out of school. And I'm like, mm, how am I going to pay for both of them? no but like no but it is hard and it's it's you really have to navigate between like your parents expectations of you Mm -hmm. and your own expectations and even like honoring yourself because Mm -hmm. i want to graduate and be done with school and then be able to spend this paycheck on nice things i don't want to be out here eating fucking cup noodles every day like (laughs) i've been through that you know i want a chanel toe at some point Mm. in my life yes 
Okay. Yes. And you know, I, I also just wonder, um, the the folks that are not don't have the awareness that, that they have a choice, right? That, you know, they, they grow up just kind of with these messages, like, this is what you have to do. And they don't know that there is another way that they can make up another way. And I think that's the part that's, like, mm-hmm. super dangerous, right? Because, you know, to Paola's point, then it's the cycle that, like, never ends because you're like, I got to keep going. I got to keep doing, got to keep doing for my family, for my family. It's, it's, it's just... Um, it's not going to happen, right? Like, yeah. one person cannot be responsible for breaking into generational poverty. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to be, like, um, that's why generational wealth exists, right? And mm-hmm. I was saying before this, you know, white people don't got to do this shit. Mm-hmm. Of course not, because they have generational wealth, right? Mm-hmm. And so, instead of, at least um, what I'm kind of, like, coming to terms with is, like, so how do I, um, with the resources and the knowledge that I do have, how do I help um, create generational wealth, not only mm-hmm. like me, but also other folks. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to give you, you know, money. That means like, can we like pull the little bit of money that you have mm-hmm. and the little money that I have? And can we create something yeah. together? Right. Like, let's like teach, you know, teach someone to fish instead of like mm-hmm. giving them the fish. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So they're going to eat and then they're going to be like, no, my fish. And then you'll <laughs> be like, you can't have yeah. some more fish. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So and then you know they gonna ask for lobster after <laughs> right right and they're like oh you telling me that now you don't have lobster and fish <laughs> <laughs> let me see your manager <laughs> <laughs> all right um, you know I I started going to therapy when I was twenty four twenty five and part of the reason why I started going to therapy is because I found myself resenting my parents mm-hmm. because I was just overwhelmed and I just felt like such a failure and like. The crushing weight of, like, not being able to help them more was, like, driving me insane. It was, like, my dad's still working. He's really old. And I don't have the financial ability to help him. And I'm not living my life because I'm worrying about them Mm -hmm. and, like, how I'm not doing good enough for them. Like, it's not enough. What I'm doing is not fucking enough. And then I was, like, but fuck it. They're old. Why am I taking care of all those people? <laughs> Why don't you have a retirement plan? That Why didn't you so... think about this? Yes. And then yes. I was like, but Paola, they did the best they could with what they knew. Yes. And then I found myself holding these two truths and being like, well, fuck. I'm going to go crazy because, like, it is true. I am mad at you for not planning and then having it to be my responsibility. My parents never said, Paola, it's your responsibility to provide for us. But, but they were great parents. Yeah. And I want them to have a great retirement. I want them to have a wonderful old life and to be able to like rejoice. Mm-hmm. And I can't provide that for them because I don't have the money to do so. And then I found myself always being like stuck for like a good few months between the parents that I had and the parents that I wish I would have mm, had. That fantasy. Love I kept it. thinking in my head, being like, yo, like, what would it be like for me not to worry about caring about my parents? Yeah. What would I do if I didn't have to think about them first? If I didn't have to think about them every time that I want to buy something, every time that I want to go on a trip? And, like, that was, like, this really crazy thought that I really had to work through in therapy to, like, really accept that, like, my parents did the best that they could with what they had and that I also have to allow myself to do the same thing. Yeah. And and if that means creating space and being like, parents, I need to take care of me mm-hmm. so I could take care of you, then doing that mm-hmm. and figuring out that balance for yourself. And after that, I had a conversation with my parents about boundaries, about financial boundaries and being like, I can't help you financially right now. 
Because if I continue like this, I'm not going to be able to provide you with sustainable health. So I'm going to withdraw until I figure my shit out. And then hopefully I'll be able to help you. And that was really hard. And I struggled with it a lot. But it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Because now I'm able to love my parents and to see them. See like the, the great parents that they are with the lack of knowledge that they had. Because my parents were amazing. And they didn't have any guidance. And I don't feel as like angry. Because I don't have to. Part of it's because I'm in school. I'm not making money. So it's a lot easier for me to be like, I can't give you money because I don't have any. Right. <laughs> like you literally don't have any. But it's been amazing. Like I'm just able to see my parents from a much more compassionate perspective because I am seeing myself with compassion. Yeah. Um, when I was. So you said something about being in therapy, and it reminded me about one time that I was in therapy, kind of like working through, like, this fantasy, because I think we all kind of have a fantasy of, like, who our parents are and, and what they can do even now. Um, and I was um, uh, talking through that, and my therapist said, you know, you know adults have choices, right? And I was like, well, they are duh. <laughs> yeah, of course, we all have choices. And she was like, and so, you know, your parents had choices as well. And I was like, fuck that makes them so human, mm-hmm. right? That that really helped me to stop seeing them as, like, these, like, victims, like, something happened to them and started seeing them as, like, oh, shit, they, they you know, like you were saying, like, my parents didn't plan for retirement, right? And and that was a, that was a decision that was made. Granted, the context of that was that, you know, they didn't know that mm-hmm. they couldn't have done it, so, again, like, it's, like, holding these, like, multiple things, right? It's, like, yo, y'all, y'all are adults. Y'all did some, some decisions that weren't great. I, I can't be responsible for that. And I can't feel pity for you because you, you made a decision and it wasn't a good one. Like, I make decisions that aren't good ones all the time. Um, and also, can I be empathetic? And also, can I be compassionate? And it's, it's something that, I, like, I struggle with all the time. Because um, I grew up just seeing my parents and my grandparents as, like, superheroes. Mm -hmm. And having to, like, break that down and see them as, like, real human people that, like, make mistakes and, like, are figuring things out um, as well. That has been really, that's been really, really, really difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Now that we've been talking about it, I think the only thing I feel guilty about is um the fact that I've learned how to self-care and Mm -hmm. my mom has yet to learn that Mm -hmm. and seeing her constantly stressed out you know saying she got to do this she got to do that she got to go work here she got to work there so she can pay these bills and never like taking the time for her and I'm constantly telling her mom go get your nails done go 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 get a massage go do this go do that and she's just it's just just something that she doesn't do she doesn't think and it like makes me so worried because i'm like mom i love you and like you need to take care of yourself because you need to be here forever and if you don't engage in self-care you're stressed out you know all the time that cuts into your lifespan and i need you here forever (laughs) you know and i'm learning all of these self-care tools and how to practice them on my myself and of course I tell her 
and she's she's a warrior so now you know we've, we've had conversations so now she stops and she meditates a little bit when she's worried but i'm like you need to do a lot more things and my mom works hard and she sacrifices a lot of things a lot of things and i feel bad sometimes when i'm like indulging in self-care and she's yet to learn how to apply that in her life that's really hard. That's really, really hard. so hard for our parents. And I think that like both of your points kind of bring to me like how as I got older, I started seeing my parents with like through vulnerability. Like mm. they are, like they are just as like clueless and lost as I am. Yeah. And that's really really hard to accept. Yes. Mm. Because as parents, we're, they're supposed to have it all together. Exactly. And they you know? and they make it seem that way mm-hmm. to make yeah. you feel safe as a child. <laughs> but nothing. Yeah. Yo, I'm going to be that parent that's going to be like, Alejandro, your mommy don't know shit right now. So we're going to figure it out, right? We're going to work as a team. We're going to figure it out. Like, I've literally thought about that. And they need that. to see that. Yeah, yeah. It's so important. Because that's why we then have this disillusionment that is like, wait, <laughs> what do you mean you didn't know that? So why are you saying <laughs> And with that comes a lot of guilt, too, because, yeah. like, I remember as I got older and I started learning self-care and I started thinking about purpose. And, I, and you know, I get to live a life of pur- purpose. I get to live such a, a life of purpose. Mm, yeah. You know, my parents don't even have that concept yeah. because they didn't have the privilege of doing that. Right. And that's part of survivor's guilt. It's like, they're like, yo, I fucking get to have the time to fucking figure out what's my purpose, <laughs> what's my passion. And, like, my mom, I remember asking my mom, it was heartbreaking. I remember asking my mom, I was like, Mommy, like, what were your dreams? What were your passions? She couldn't remember. Oh, that's so hard. That's heartbreaking. And my mom is an amazing woman. She's intelligent. Mm-hmm. She's vibrant. But, and she said, like, my passion were you guys. Mm-hmm. Which is also, I think, a generational thing. Yeah. You know? Right. But she meant it more like, I put everything. Yeah. You are mm-hmm. my bet. That's the expectation. That's it. And then it's like, <laughs> fuck. You okay. gotta make it. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna be rich in two months. Don't worry. <laughs> you know, it's so, and, and you know, it's so interesting because I'm able to have this conversation without crying right now, which I think is like a huge, um, because I feel like we've all run from this topic yeah. because yeah. it was really touchy a few months back. And I think we all have grown to this point where we could talk about it without breaking down. So yeah. like, hit the therapy. <laughs> Shout out to therapy. Yeah. It, it's real, y'all. It's so real. And like. And kudos to our parents. Like, they, yeah. they fucked up. They made mistakes. Yeah. But they did the best they could with what they had. Yes. And I can only hope to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And for my kids to come out as good as I did. <laughs> even though I fucked or up. Even but better. <laughs> yeah, they better be better. Because I'm going to be like, listen. Listen, child. <laughs> I don't remember your name, child. <laughs> yeah, child number one. Okay. You've had a lot of privileges. So what are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. How does intergenerational trauma come up? I think for me, it's it's a lot around like money and mm. fear and like scarcity mentality, mm. um, which you know money can be incredibly tra- uh, traumatic. Um, <clears throat> and so, I don't know. I don't know when when it happens, but I started to pick up on how um, different people in my family would talk about money in this, like in in the way that like. And, like, money was 
controlling them almost mm. right it was like no because of money everything had to do like at at the center of everything was money and i was just like yo this just is not my experience right and i think i had the privilege of um attending boarding school and so i had like four years sustained amount of time kind of like away from mm. my family with and and you know i was in a very affluent area with very affluent people and so I, I had the privilege of seeing of developing a different relationship with money and seeing it in a different way mm-hmm. and so I think that's kind of where things started to shift or where I like to think that I'm starting to break the cycle um where I'm just like your money comes and goes I'm not yeah. gonna be tied down to money it's liquid money it's it's gonna come and go um and again going back to the thing what you were saying around like abundance mentality it's like that's it like we've kind of gotten the hump of like when you know when we were really struggling when i was a kid now we, we have different tools we have different resources like we um having the scarcity mentality doesn't benefit us anymore because we're in a different place and so like how can we um how can we like flip that so that we think more about abundance even if we only have twenty dollars in a bank account? And that has been really difficult because you know, I'll say that to like my grandmother and my mom and they're like What are you talking about? Okay. What are the words that are coming out of your mouth? What are you saying? Abundance without money? <laughs> yeah. What? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um but yeah, but that's a very tangible way that that, that trauma kinda comes up in my family. Yeah, I think um, last year for grad school, we had to do a project where you had to pick someone who was over the age of 60 or 65 and kind of look at how macro systems, macro and meso systems kind of affected where they were and like their life turnout. So kind of looking at the time period and policies that affected their life. And I chose my dad. And when my dad was telling me his life story, y'all, I was literally like, how? How did you make it through this? And be normal. Mm. But I also was like, yo, that's where I get that from. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't trust people. Mm. That's why I have major fucking anxiety all the time. I learned it from you. Mm. From you being you, I learned it. Like, my dad struggles with, like, major anxiety. He doesn't even know. Mm -hmm. The other day, I saw my dad, and he, like, I saw him go from, like, there was a trigger, something that happened that triggered his anxiety, and... Five minutes later, he was just losing his shit. He just, he couldn't hear, he couldn't see. It was like, I was like, he's going to have a panic attack. And then my mom's reaction was like, he's just, you know, he's doing him. Like, calm mm, down. Do this. And I was like, mom, you need to start telling him to calm down. Yeah. I was like, dad, it's okay. You get to feel. Like, let us know if we could help you breathe and do that. And I saw myself. Mm. Because when I go into my anxiety tunnels... It's like something happens and then it becomes bigger, it becomes bigger, and then I can't come out. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I'm my dad. My dad is me. Mm-hmm. We're the same. <laughs> um, but also seeing like how privileged I am because I've been getting the opportunity to treat my trauma, to treat yeah. my anxiety, yeah. to come up with like coping mechanisms that my dad, at the moment I was like, Bobby, breathe. And he was like, Bitch, you telling me to fucking breathe? <laughs> like, breathe? Do you have money? I need money. <laughs> and I was like, air. And he's like, cash. <laughs> you know, he didn't say 
these words, but I know that's what he was thinking. And so it's like, it's, and that's also really hard to deal with because it always comes back to like, I have this and you don't have. Yeah. And sitting with all of these truths, but that's part of the process of healing yeah. intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Family history is really, really, really important. And I think like going back to what we said earlier about um, trauma being transmitted when it is not transformed. Um, if you don't know your family history, you might not even know the way that trauma sits in your own fucking DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's where I'm, I'm at. I think my mom, she, she, she kind of told, like, I, was, I think I was 23, and she, I was like, it's a little too late to have this conversation, but thank God nothing ever happened. And she was like, you know, has anyone ever touched you in places you were never supposed to be touched? I'm like, Mom, I'm 23. I'm out here fucking every day. What you talking about, Mom? <laughs> And then she kind of, like, hint at, like, something happening to her, abusive. Mm. But she, like, and she kept talking. And I couldn't, I, and I totally, like, disregarded that conversation. Because I can't sit there and hear what my mom has to say. I can't ever imagine harm being done to my mom. Mm. And so it's a conversation we brushed under the carpet and we've never brought it up ever again. But I'm like, Oh my God, like what else don't I know about my mom? Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think what you said, um, Christy, I I think there's a lot of trauma that I think my mom's not yet ready to talk about. And that's fine. Whenever she's ready, she's ready. And there's a lot of trauma that's probably sitting in people's DNA and they don't even know why they act a certain way because they don't know what their behavior is linked to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why <clears throat> therapy is fun for yeah. <laughs> and I think also to close out, part of this is recognizing that as we grow older and wiser than our own parents, it's okay to take that role mm-hmm. of teaching them and holding them and mm-hmm. doing for them what they did for you, as long as it's healthy, as long as you have capacity for, and as long as it doesn't take over your ability to take care of yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boundaries. Find that balance. Because there are your parents, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't... Well, and I think that jump goes right into our recommendations um, for this episode. Part of it is like listen to our episode eight on boundaries because mm-hmm. that's really important, especially when you're dealing with a lot of trauma in your own family. Um, if you find that you don't have the tools to have these conversations with your parents, family therapy is a thing. Yes, and if you're in New York City, I recommend and have insurance. Um, and even if you don't, um, I recommend that you um, look into the Ackerman Institute for Family. Um, they are like, they have pioneering kind of, or they are pioneers rather, um, kind of in the field of uh, family therapy here in New York City. Um, I've been to family therapy before. It is um, not easy, <laughs> not gonna lie. So you have, um, you know, multiple people in the room, um, you know, different perceptions of therapy. Um, and so it, you know, it, it is going to be difficult, I think, like, like most, um, like most things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that it has been the most um, transformative tool that my family and I have leveraged to like really not only get over trauma, um, but also to like learn just like how to communicate with each other in a way that um, 
that like makes sense. Yeah. So um, very, very big advocate of that. And if you're a big reader, um, a book we would suggest is The Body Keeps the Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma by Basil Van Der Kolk. I hope I said his name right. Um, basically, the book talks about how trauma, you know, affects your brain development, you know, mm -hmm. and how if you don't take the time to heal, process your trauma, your body technically keeps the score of how it sits in your body and how you feel and things of that sort. So your body literally keeps track of all those trauma and affects you physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually if it's not um, processed, you know, in therapy or in some other form. It's a really good book if you're interested in learning about trauma. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, not all of us have insurance and it's hard to do family mm -hmm. therapy. And I think sometimes like just a quick Google search will help you figure out things that you could do with your own family to address things. Like when I didn't know, I did, I used to do like appreciations with my family because I was mm -hmm. like, it wasn't normalized to say I love you to each other. It wasn't normalized to like talk about the things that were good in one another. And I was like, how do we start building this? How do mm -hmm. we start learning to talk about the things that we love about each other, not just the things that we need to do better. Yeah. And it was incredible how much my family got into that. Like, I was like, mm -hmm. write three things that you're thankful for each of us and then put it in this card. They wrote pages. Mm -hmm. Aww, like, they have sweet. mad thankful thoughts that they didn't know how to express. Yeah. And once they were given the space, and then that opened up conversations about how we feel about each other and how we could be better towards each other. So, like... Figure out what could work for your family that's in your reach. That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, for sure. All right, y'all. All right. It's a heavy topic, so I hope everyone's taking care of each other. Yes, and um, let us know how is your relationship with your own family if you want to. And please review and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend and let us know if you agree or disagree with us. We love conversations on DMs and emails. Um, <laughs> no, but if you also want to comment on a post, please do. We'll talk about it. Um, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.